Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles with me once again this morning, returning to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah has four chapters. They're easily outlined. The first chapter of the book of Jonah, we see Jonah plotting. The second chapter of the book of Jonah, we see Jonah praying. You'd be praying too if you were in the belly of a great fish. The third chapter of the book of Jonah, Jonah is preaching, doing what God had called him to do. This morning we open to the fourth chapter of the book of Jonah, and Jonah is pouting. Jonah chapter 4, we find a petulant prophet. He's pouting because of God's kindness to the people of Nineveh. The title of today's message comes from the fourth verse and the ninth verse of Jonah chapter 4 where God twice asked Jonah the question, Doest thou well to be angry? Doest thou well to be angry? It's a question that God asked Jonah. It's a question that God has asked me. It's a question that God wants to ask each of us this morning. Let's begin our reading in verse 11 of chapter 3. And God saw their works, the people of Nineveh, that great city, the capital of the Assyrian people, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. He did it not. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, and slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me. It's better for me that I die than live. And said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made a booth. He sat in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd, made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning arose the next day and smote the gourd that it withered, and it came to pass when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? He said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, with which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? Doest thou well to be angry? Let's ask the Lord to bless as we look into his word. Father, I pray today that we'd be open-hearted as we look in the mirror of your word. Lord, we see ourselves here. Help us not go out unchanged. Lord, I pray rather that we would be changed, that we would be made into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, that as Christians we'd be worthy of the name. And Lord, keep us from that ungodly anger that so clouds the name of Christ among us. Help us, Lord, today to seek forgiveness as necessary. 
but help us also to find in your word truths upon which we can stand so that our lives can be molded. And Lord, if there's someone who's come into this service this morning who as yet does not know Jesus as Savior, may the gospel be clearly shared as well so that there can be someone who would turn from the wrath of God to know the love of God embraced by Jesus Christ our Savior. In whose name we pray, amen. Unsaintly saints, said A.W. Tozer, are the tragedy of Christianity. And when they are severe, said Tozer, or sharp-tongued, or guilty of an unholy temper, they constitute, said Tozer, a plague and a pestilence. Our Lord Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Sadly, many Christians have hidden the light under a bushel of emotional trauma, a bushel of anger. I have a question to ask you this morning. Are you a hothead? Do you have flashes of anger that really put out the light? Do you get mad at the drop of a hat and sometimes find yourself furnishing the hat? Or perhaps you're on the other side of the spectrum, cool on the outside, but really, truth is, you're seething on the inside. Whichever side of the anger axis you find yourself on, we discover that the Bible has plenty to say about anger. In fact, there are over 450 references in the Bible to anger and wrath and rage. For instance, The Bible testifies that anger is hurtful. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 4, wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous. The Bible testifies that anger can be contagious. Proverbs 22, 24 says, make no friendship with an angry man, but with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get to thee a snare to thy soul. The Bible teaches us that the wise, by the Spirit of God, have their tempers guarded. Proverbs 14 says in verse 29, the slow of wrath are of great wisdom. In fact, be careful when you say amen this morning, by the way. The Bible says, the life of a hermit is better to be lived than living with an angry spouse. Proverbs 21 says in verse 9, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop alone than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now, some blame their anger on their personality. I just am short-fused. Some even blame their heredity. I'm of Mediterranean stock. God's Word says, don't be so quick to put your blame in such places. God makes it a matter of the heart. In fact, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness. James chapter 1 warns every one of us in the 20th verse that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We open our Bibles this morning to Jonah chapter 4. God is asking a pouting prophet a very pointed question. Doest thou well to be angry? In fact, God asked Jonah that question twice 
in verse 4, and again in verse 9. Doest thou well to be angry? God asked the question because there's a difference between righteous indignation, which is a spirit-induced antipathy toward that which is evil, and ungodly wrath, which is very self-centered. The Lord wants every one of us to lead spirit-controlled lives. He wants our spirit-controlled tempers to be a testimony of His grace in this out-of-control world in which we are living. God wants those who love the Lord Jesus to be testimonies of His grace in their conduct, in their actions, as well as in their attitudes, especially when it comes to this matter of anger. So let's look at Jonah chapter 4 and consider why it is that we get angry and where that anger tends to lead us. And I believe we can find something of an answer or a remedy to anger in Jonah chapter 4 as well. Listen carefully this morning. Jonah chapter 4 helps introduce us to some of the reasons for our sinful anger. When anger flares up, most of us seek to hide behind any one of a thousand excuses. We all have brilliant excuses for our anger. In fact, Benjamin Franklin said, anger is seldom without a reason, but seldom with a good one. We blame others. We blame circumstances. Sometimes we even blame God. Jonah's anger is directed toward the Lord. He's upset that God would spare the Ninevites. The revival in Nineveh brought rejoicing in heaven, but it brought rage to Jonah. Why? Well, Jonah had a problem with pride. Do you remember what it was that Jonah was asked to preach in Nineveh? He had an eight-word sermon. It's found in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4. Jonah preached to Nineveh, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Yet 40 days, said Jonah, 40 days from now you're all going to be powdered. Jonah went into Nineveh and he preached, 40 days from now you're all going to be Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0. 40 days from now you're all goners. But then in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, we read, God saw their works, these Ninevites who repented of their sin. He saw that they turned from their evil way, and God repented, he turned from the evil and that he would have done unto them, and he did it not. And in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, follow along carefully as we read, it says, Jonah was ticked off. Now, that's my Hebrew translation of this passage. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very, very angry. In fact, as we look more carefully at verses 2 and 3, something pops off the page. Did you see it? Listen to Jonah's prayer. Listen to how Jonah is praying in verses 2 and 3. He prayed unto the Lord and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and it repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee, take 
my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Did you catch it? Personal pronoun. Ten times I, my, or me in two short verses. Now, what do you think Jonah was focusing on? You think Jonah was focusing on the grace of God and his mercy? Jonah was altogether focused on himself. Why? Why was Jonah upset? Jonah had been a a very popular prophet back home in Gath Hefer. He was from the region where Jesus grew up, the Galilean region, and God had given to him a very popular message. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read that Jonah was living under King Jeroboam, and he prophesied that the northern kingdom would expand its boundaries under King Jeroboam. And everyone was, yay, that's a great prophecy, Jonah, we like you. He had a populist message. He was popular back home. Until God said, Jonah, I've got another thing I want you to do. I want you to pack up and get over there to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrians, and let them know that the judgment of God is coming. Now, Jonah was like everybody else in his country. He hated the Assyrians. They were idol-worshiping, barbaric beasts, pagans, a people to be despised. He hated them so much he had absolutely no interest in warning them at all of the judgment of God. So Jonah, as you recall, decided he would go to Tarshish. He would sail to Spain as far away as he could get from where God wanted him to be. And God gave Jonah a graduate degree in marine biology. Jonah woke up in the belly of the the great fish and he prayed and repented himself. And then Jonah preached the truth as God gave it to him. His eight-word message was a sermon from God on high. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh did the unthinkable. They actually turned to God. And that put Jonah between a rock and a hard place. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. He didn't want to have anything to do with the Assyrians. Can't you imagine some Ninevite saying to Jonah, Hey, Jonah, 40 days, huh? I think you, you came into our city like 42 days ago. Well, 42, you said 40 days, here we are. You say, well, Pastor Phelps, none of the Ninevites would have done that because they were all in a spirit of repentance. I'm not sure they wouldn't have done that, are you? There's always a scoffer in the crowd, even when the majority are repenting. Jonah doesn't much like the Assyrians, and he he hates this city of Nineveh. And now he's thinking in his mind, what am I going to do now? If I go home, I know what I'm going to hear at home. Jonah, what were you thinking? God was going to wipe them out, and you went around and warned them, and now God's going to let them stay around? Jonah, what kind of a prophet are you? So Jonah was angry. His pride was bruised. No, it wasn't just bruised. It was pulverized. Proverbs chapter 13 warns in verse 10, only by pride cometh contention. Friend, do you have an anger problem? If you have an anger problem, you need to be asking some questions this morning. Is your life filled with contention? Are you nursing a wounded ego? Do you really have a problem with pride and you have not yet admitted it. When the Holy Spirit fills our lives, listen, 
when the Holy Spirit fills our lives, there's no more room for pride. Pride gets pushed out. Jonah was angry because God was so kind to the no good, low down, good for nothing Assyrians. Like many who love the Lord, Jonah was okay with the enemies of God being saved. He just wasn't okay with his own enemies being saved. Jonah was like the older brother of the prodigal. Do you remember what happened when the prodigal came back and the father reached out to him in love, how the older brother of the prodigal said, hey, father, I've been a faithful son all these years. You've never slaughtered the fatted calf for me. You're pulling out all the stops for my brother. He'd been forgotten and his pride had been wounded. Do you get angry when someone else gets something that you think you best deserve? Does it bother you when someone gets a promotion or a recognition or a prize that should have been yours? Jonah had a problem with pride. Jonah had a problem also with his perception of God. In verse 2 of Jonah chapter 4, Jonah is quoting almost word for word from Joel 3 and verse 13. There are other passages that are very similar to what Jonah is saying in verse 2. It's as if the catechism springs back up in Jonah's mind. He remembers this verse and he brings it back to the Lord, but he doesn't bring it back with a sincere heart. It's almost like he's quoting without considering when he says, God, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. Aren't these wonderful attributes of our God? Not to Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, and when he was in the belly of the great fish, he was very thankful that God was all of this, that God was gracious, that God was merciful. When Jonah was running away from God and turned back from the belly of the great fish, Jonah was very glad that God was slow to anger and willing to turn away his anger. That was then, this is now. Jonah was glad to receive God's kindness, but he didn't like it much when other people were receiving the kindness of God. There are a lot of people like Jonah, altogether orthodox in their understanding of the character and the attribute of God. They have a healthy appreciation of God's grace, a healthy appreciation of God's kindness, a healthy appreciation of God's mercy. But when someone does them wrong, truth is they want God to zap their enemies. Jonah's perception of God's grace was so maligned that Jonah wanted God to kill him. Verse 3, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It's better for me to die than for me to live. Jonah's pride was punctured. His prejudice toward others was real. His perception of God was messed up. Jonah had some real problems. He had an anger problem. His anger problem was based at least on these three pillars. Jonah was a man who had a problem with pride, and he really hated some people who were around about him. He hated his neighbor instead of loving his neighbor. And he had a problem with perception. My junior year in high school, I was in a basketball tournament. The game was close. I'd been guarding a fellow who did his fair share of pushing me around, and I did my fair share of pushing him around as, as well. In fact, I was in foul trouble. It was closer to the end of the game. I was sitting at the bench, on the bench, when I watched the fellow who had been pushing me around most of the game fall down and grimace in pain and scream out. It was obvious that he'd really hurt his ankle, and the way he was writhing on the floor, it looked like it might have been something that would take him out of the game for the rest of the game. And so I 
I did what any passionate athlete would do. I jumped up while everyone was in silence, aghast at the injury that this person was experiencing. I jumped off the bench and went, yes! My anger was sinful. It was humbling, and it was wrong. My personal pride, along with my prejudice against our opponent, my failure to see the Lord in all things, including sports, made me vulnerable to an angry outburst. I spent the rest of that game where I needed to be, in the locker room. I can connect with Jonah. Can you? Are you an angry person? Now, we've looked at some of the reasons for Jonah's anger, but we need to be asking ourselves the personal question, what makes me mad, Lord? Is it my pride? Is my switch flipped because of my jealousy toward others? In truth, most most of us need to confess that the foundation of our anger is a false view of God. Now, Jonah didn't have some things that we have. Jonah did not have the book of Ephesians where we read, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And we recognize the need for forgiveness because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Jonah didn't have that. Jonah did not have the example of the enfleshment of Christ and in his incarnation and ministry, how that Jesus would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jonah had not heard yet the words that Jesus would share when he said to Nicodemus that God so loved the world including the Ninevites, that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But you and I have Ephesians, and you and I understand that the Savior did come and sacrificed himself for our forgiveness. We fall prey to pride, and we fall prey to anger for the same reasons that Jonah did. While we have greater, listen, we have greater spiritual resources because we have more of God's word. We have greater spiritual resources because we have the Spirit of God actually living within us. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And yet we find ourselves often just like Jonah, throwing a temper tantrum instead of rejoicing in the Lord. We fail to remember James 1 and verse 20 says, The wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Look with me at verse 4. In Jonah 4 and verse 4 we read, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out to the city and sat in the east side of the city. We tighten the lens a little bit. We tighten the lens on this passage. We see some of the results of the sinful anger in the life of Jonah. When our mind is full of sinful anger, we're wired this way. Our bodies respond. Jonah's interior problem with anger affects his feet. He's moving in the wrong direction, outside of the will of God now, outside of the city of Nineveh. He's opening his mouth and responding. Jonah departs from the place of responsibility. One of the results of anger, we depart from the place of responsibility. He went out from the city. He had no strategy, no long-term strategy for all the converts in Nineveh. He had no discipleship groups that he was setting up. He didn't invite them to come to a deeper, more meaningful service to understand the newness of life and the grace of God that had been given. But I know this, 
When Jonah left the city of Nineveh, he was moving outside of the will of God for him because anger and wrath will drive us outside of the place where God wants us to be. Anger pushes us away from people, and anger pushes us away from responsibility. It drives us away from the place of God's appointment. It drives us away from the place of God's opportunity. How many people have left a job because they got mad? How many people have left a church (laughs) because something flipped their switch and they never did know how to resolve their situation? How many people have walked out on their families because they don't know how to resolve an underlying issue with anger? Anger makes us depart from places of responsibility. Jonah devotes his attention now only to himself. In verse 5, Jonah made a booth. Jonah's anger is stirring within him. I'm sure he's thinking like this, enough with this. I've lived in a fish's belly. I've lived in these, with these stinking Ninevites. It's time for some me time, some Jonah time. I'm going to make a booth. Pride always leads to selfishness. And Jonah desires others to be hurt. It seems that Jonah knew that the people of Nineveh were going to be spared, but he still hoped that that wouldn't be true. Look at verse 5. In verse 5, he sat under the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Jonah knew that God's wrath had been turned away. The time frame had passed. It seems in verse 10 of chapter 4, God had turned away from what he said initially that he would do. But Jonah was still hopeful. He wanted somebody to be hurt. Anger does that. Proverbs 22 says in verse 8 that the rod of anger shall fail. Our bodies are woven into our spirits in such a way that when we get angry, there are flashes that come to our bodies that cause some people to put hands through walls or feet through doors. For Jonah, his feet simply moved outside of the pathway of God's will. Dr. Redford Williams of Duke University notes that anger is a higher risk activity than smoking, drinking, or overeating. The anger causes the body to produce abnormally high stress hormones, which result in high cholesterol, liver disease, digestive disorders, and heart problems. You know, you find that very true in the life of Moses. Moses in Numbers chapter 12 is called the meekest of men. But below Moses' meek exterior was lurking a giant problem with anger. At the age of 40, Moses lifted up his hand against an Egyptian, and God sentenced Moses to 40 years in the wilderness. After 40 years in the wilderness, God called Moses back to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And you recall that there was a lack of water. And in Numbers chapter 20, God specifically said, Moses, I want you to speak to that rock and it will bring out the water. Moses was so perturbed at the murmuring Israelites who were saying once again to him, you brought us out here to die, you brought us out here to die. Numbers 20 says the children of Israel chode. There was some road rage going on in the camp. They chode with Moses. And how did Moses respond? He grabbed that rod and he struck the rock. He acted out his anger. And when he acted out his anger, God said, Moses, you've left the place of responsibility and you are no longer fit to lead my people into the promised land. 
Moses learned something that many in this room perhaps are still learning, that the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Moses learned the hard way. He lost the opportunity. His anger cost him. Listen, anger is a costly sin. Anger can cost you your husband or your wife. Anger can cost you your children. Anger can cost you your job. Anger can cost you your testimony. Anger can cost you your health. Anger can cost you your eternal reward. Those who let anger simmer within them become losers. Ask Moses. We're going to get to heaven one day and walk down the streets of gold, bump into Moses. Hey, Moses, what was it like when you brought the children of Israel out? Oh, it was glorious. The Red Sea parted. We walked over on dry land. Hey, Moses, what was it like when manna fell? Oh, it was delicious. God provided for us. Our shoes didn't even wear out. Hey, Moses, any regrets? Just one. I lost my temper. I lost a lot. We've considered some of the reasons for Jonah's anger and looked at a few of the results of Jonah's anger. As I look in this text, I see something of a remedy, if you will, that the Spirit of God has woven into this passage. You see, there are a lot of people who read the book of Jonah and they ask the question, how could he survive for three days in the belly of a great fish? That's a really good question. Here's a better question. Why didn't God kill him? He asked for it. He asked twice. Verse 3 of chapter 4, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Verse 8, he wished himself to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Aren't you glad that God sometimes doesn't give us what we think we want? What a gracious God we serve. What's the remedy for Jonah's anger? Well, first, the providence of God. Sprinkled four times through the book of Jonah, two little words, God prepared, God prepared, God prepared. In chapter 1 and verse 17, God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Chapter 4 and verse 6, God prepared a gourd to come up over Jonah. Chapter 4 and verse 7, God prepared a worm to destroy the gourd. Chapter 4 and verse 8, God prepared a vehement east wind, a Scirocco wind that bore down with the sun and beat upon the head of Jonah. Behind every situation that Jonah is encountering, listen, is the sovereign hand of God. God saved Jonah by preparing a great fish. God comforted Jonah by preparing a gourd. God destroyed Jonah's comfort by preparing a worm, and God sent a strong wind to let Jonah feel just a little bit of the wrath of God. Behind everything happening in the life of Jonah was the sovereign hand of God. Behind our sinful wrath, behind our outburst of uncontrolled anger, behind our wicked tempers, there's this selfishness, listen, that wants to be in control. Every angry outburst that's sinful in nature is a statement against the sovereignty of God in my life. Whether I be directing that anger towards someone that God has put on my pathway or something that God has allowed me to encounter, every angry outburst that I selfishly allow to spill out of my heart is a statement against the sovereignty of God in my life. 
What's the cure then? It's recognizing the providence of God in all of my circumstances. We love to sing the song, I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Do we? In Romans chapter 9 and verse 14, the question is asked, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. In Romans 9 and verse 21, hath not the potter power over the clay? In my outburst from the sideline, there would be those who would say, it was passion and redefine the reality of my situation. It wasn't passion. It was wicked, rotten, lousy, corrupt anger. And I asked God to forgive me. And you know what? He did. God's providence. When I come to learn of God's providence, I come to understand that the problem with my anger is really a problem against my God. God let this person work in my workplace. God let this person be on my team. God let this person be in my family. God let that situation happen to my car. God is behind all of it. Our God rules in the affairs of men, Daniel chapter 4 says. And the wise believer comes to understand that I'll never get victory over my temper until I bow the knee, as we sang about this morning. Bow the knee to the providence of God. There's a second thing I find in this passage that comes to be part of the cure for Jonah's temper. It's God's patience. Twice God pokes the conscience of Jonah with the same question. There it is in verse 4. There it is again in verse 9. Doest thou well to be angry? God didn't ask the question once. God asked the question twice. Why? Look at verse 2 again. The God that we serve is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. It just might be that our patient God brought you into this service today to ask you a question. Doest thou well to be angry? How will you answer that question this morning? Better yet, how'd your family answer that question for you? How will your children answer that question, sir? Ma'am, how would your husband answer that question? Doest thou well to be angry? A lady came to Billy Sunday years ago, tried to rationalize her anger. She said, there's nothing wrong with my losing my temper. I blow up, then it's over. Billy Sunday looked at her and said, so does a shotgun. And look at the damage it leaves behind. Doest thou well to be angry? May God help us to have open hearts to what the Spirit of God says as we seek to please Him. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Thank you.